You are listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. This series is called Miracles, where we take a behind-the-scenes look at the miracles of Jesus and how they can apply to our everyday life. Anybody at some point in time feel like you have lost control? In some ways, I feel like I've lost control right now. But anyway, uh, like you have completely lost control at some point in time. Maybe, 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 maybe it was a time that you lost control of your car. You lost control of your car, and you, you literally said, you literally said, well, behind the wheel of your car, Jesus, take this wheel. Please take this wheel. You lost control of your car. You know, with all the ice and snow that we've had this winter, and, and you know, my subdivision's way of dealing with the ice and snow is to let it melt and uh, so, you know, we, we, we had a lot of ice and snow uh, this winter. And, you know, with the boys and the boys being in my car and, you know, I'm a boy. And so, you know, we'd come into our, our subdivision and, you know, I'd let the, let the, let the car uh, loosey-goosey and fishtail a little bit. So the boys were like, oh, you know, and have fun with them. But one time, one time I turned on the, onto our street and, 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 you know, going 10 miles an hour, I mean, it was, it was nothing. I didn't mean to. And whoop. You know, all the way 360, 10 miles an hour, bumped up against the car. I mean, it was, it was, it was all good. I mean, it was no, no, no big deal. But <laughs> I did look up, and uh, our neighbor's two doors down. I saw her peek out the, the, the curtains. I'm like, are you just, are, I mean, what, how did you know? Like, how, what? Like, she hasn't said anything, so I think we're, we're all good. But maybe you've lost control uh, of, um, of a situation. Uh, some of you know Elijah started playing soccer, used seven soccer, so it's like seven and under, and, and the, the club, the team that he plays on is like, hey, you're going to be here anyway, you know soccer, you're going to do some goalkeeping coaching for us, and so why don't you just coach these U7 boys, and what, uh, I was like, okay, fine, and, and, and get paid for it and, and everything, so I like, okay, that's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll coach these boys. <laughs> Ended up being 16 boys and two teams, but those two teams practiced together at the same time. 16 U7 boys at one time with no walls. I've completely lost control. Completely lost control. And I was a youth minister for a reason. I have kids, but that's about it. I don't like them. And people always come up to me and go, Oh, enjoy the time now. Then they become teenagers. I'm like, I'll deal with that. I know how to deal with that. Maybe you've, you've, you, your kids know how to push that button, right? You know, not, not, not the button on your TV. No, that button. That button. And, and you're like, today, today, patience today, patience today. And it seems like the more you tell yourself you're going to have patience... The quicker you snap, right, right, and maybe maybe your kids have, have figured out how to make you lose control, and they're back in the back room high fiving each other. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you've lost control of your finances, lost control of your finances, and you wonder how it got there and how to get it back. Or lost control of relationships, and you're wondering what's going on. You know, and maybe some of these things that we've lost control over, or maybe maybe. If we're honest with ourselves, our fault. We've all probably been in some sort of situation at some point in time in life where we have lost control. And we're wondering, can I get control back? 
We're in a series called Miracles. We just started this series last week, and we're in a second week called Miracles, and we're looking at seven miracles that Jesus had or Jesus performed in his life. And this guy by the name of John wrote down these miracles. He, he wanted to tell everybody these miracles. Uh, uh, and according to, to what he wrote down, he wanted these miracles to, to grow people's belief. And he said, hey, look, I just picked seven miracles. If I wrote down everything that Jesus did, man, all the paper in the world wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to hold what Jesus did. I picked seven for a specific reason, and that seven was to grow people's belief in Jesus. And these miracles are about growing belief in Jesus. But maybe you would have a hard time believing, and that's okay. We'll talk about that. And actually, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here so that we can take a look in, into these, the, this story and these stories and see how Jesus wants to grow our belief because these miracles, these miracles, they're not about the miracle. There's a miracle behind the miracle. There's a story behind the story because, I mean, if you're like me, you're saying, man, Jesus has been performing the same miracles since preschool, Sunday school. Everything ends the same. And you're just like, it's the same story. Somebody gets healed and turns water to wine or something. It's like, oh, that's interesting, but it just becomes old hat. But the miracles aren't about the miracle. There's a miracle behind the miracle. There's a story behind the story that Jesus is trying to get across to us. Last week, we saw that the water be turned to wine. And that Jesus wants to give a purity. He wants to transform us into, into pure lives and give us a, a, an abundant and excellent purity. This week, we're going to look at a guy. He lost control. He was used to having control, but he lost control. And if you've ever been there, you want to regain control. And this guy wanted to regain control. We're going to be in John chapter 4. You can follow along in a hardbound Bible. I encourage you to download the, 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 the Bible app on your smartphone or, or tablet. And you can uh, go into a live event there. And, and uh, it'll use your GPS to be able to, to, to tell that you're close. And, and you can bring up the, the live event that we put up in, in, uh, in, in in the Bible app uh, for that. You can take notes about what God is telling you and, and send that to yourself via email or send that to Evernote if you use Evernote. Um, or you can actually share and tweet and Facebook from the app itself, the Bible app itself. And we encourage you to share digitally what God is doing in your life. Look, we can evangelize digitally. Never have to stand in front of people. You can actually just tell what God is doing via Facebook. And we could encourage you to check in and, 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 and tell about what God is doing and what God is sharing and, and how God is, is impacting your life. We're also going to throw the verses up on the screen for you to follow along. But in John chapter 4, it says this, at the end of the two days, Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself has said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. What's interesting is that if you read the life of Jesus, if you read the stories of Jesus, which I encourage you to, there's a reading plan somewhere around you that you can take and read 
along with us the life of Jesus according to John. John, a guy who walked with Jesus, a guy who, who Jesus went up to and said, follow me, and John followed. We're talking about an eyewitness account of everything that Jesus did, and he wrote this down. And I encourage you to take a reading plan and follow along, because when you read the, 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 the life of Jesus and see the life of Jesus, he is very strategic. He goes to an area leaves, circles back to the same area. He plants a seed and circles back to the same area. And we see that that seed has harvested and grown and more people have, have, start following him and are interested in him. And, and also he sends his disciples ahead of him to areas. And then he does a circuit around where his disciples went, where the seed had been planted and, and he sees a harvest. This is why we do block parties. We are planting seeds. We'll go, we'll plant a seed. We'll leave, we'll go back and plant a seed. And we're planting a seed in what we feel is a hard place where, where church presence really isn't very strong. Planting a seed so that we can see the seed grow and the seed become a harvest of people who are interested in the gospel and interested in Jesus. This was the strategy of Jesus. He doubled back to Cana where he had already done the miracle. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. This was a government official, probably in the court of Herod, the main leader in that area. We, we, we hear about Herod later on in the story of Jesus, that, that during the trial of Jesus, Pilate sent Jesus to Herod because Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus. He sent him up the line to Herod, and Herod was excited to see Jesus because because Herod was excited to see Jesus because Herod wanted to see Jesus do a miracle. And maybe it was because of this guy, this official. And this official, he's a government official. He was used to being in control. Government officials are used to being in control, right? Amen. That's not a political statement. It just is a statement. And his son was very sick, close to death. And anybody that has experienced sickness in their own life, that they don't know what it is and can't control, or sickness in a, in, a, in a son or daughter's life or in a spouse's life, you know what it's like to have a sickness and be out of control. And this guy, he was out of control. He was out of control. He didn't know how to control this situation. But, 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 he'd heard. He'd heard about this Jesus. He'd heard about the water and wine thing. He'd heard about the things that Jesus was doing. And he heard that Jesus was back in the area. And he traveled from Capernaum to Cana. It was about a day's journey, probably at six hours or so. So round trip, two days. And he's sitting at home going, I need a miracle. I need something to happen. I believe this Jesus guy can do something. I've heard enough. I believe this Jesus guy can do something. So he got up. He left. Spent a day traveling to Jesus. Got there. Like, how do you find a guy that you've never met before in a town? Well, it's Jesus. Follow the crowd. He finds the crowd. But in order to get to Jesus, what, is, what does he have to do? He has to fish through the crowd. He has to get through the crowd. Moves around the way of the crowd. Excuse me, pardon me. Excuse me, pardon me. Excuse me, pardon me. Excuse me, pardon me. He finally gets in front of Jesus. Finally gets there. And Jesus looks at him. And he looks up to Jesus. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judah to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who is about to die. 
Jesus asked, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met with him, uh, met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. The EMT was right there, ready to get, it, get, get, get him better. And then boom, he was better, all running around and excited and jacked up. Then the father realized that that was the very time Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he and his, hot, his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. His dad lost control. He didn't know how to regain control. And he believed that this Jesus guy, if he could just get him to come, that this Jesus guy... He would heal him. He could heal him. But here's one thing about when we've lost control. And I've already said this, but what do we want to do? We want to regain control. And what can actually end up happening is that we can end up trying to control Jesus, control God, without ever intending to. I believe this government official didn't intend to control Jesus. But this is what he did. Jesus, come and do a miracle. Come and do a miracle. Come with me and do a miracle. Come and do. And when we, when we have a come and do mentality, who is in control? Let me just ask you this. Have you ever had a friend come up to you and said, hey, come and do this for me? And you agree to it? Who's in control? Not you. You come and do you show up to help and moving a couch end up moving their entire house. Who's in control? Not you. The person who says come and do. The come and do person is actually God. So when we're coming up to God and saying, can you come and do something? We're actually putting ourselves in the position of God. Come and do. See, we treat Jesus like a genie in a bottle. If we just rub him the right way, he'll come and do something for us. See, if we are out of control with our finances. We're having a total money makeover small group right now. You're, you're welcome to join us. We're kind of a little more than halfway through it, but you can come and join us and, and, and we'll help you out. But if we have a come and do attitude with our finances, we're asking Jesus, my finances are a wreck. Come and do a miracle. Come and do a check. Come and do something. Come and do. I need a check. I need something. If we're out of control with our relationships. Come and do, Jesus. Come and do. Come and do. If we're out of control with our grades, come and do, Jesus. Right? This is the classic. You show up to class, you have a test, and you pray, Dear Lord, come quickly. Or remind me of everything that I didn't study for. Come and do. 
Or maybe we're living without purpose. And you're like, Jesus, come and do without ever intending to. We're actually trying to control God. But notice, notice, Jesus met the guy right where he was. But he refused to let him stay there. One of our values here at Crosspoint is progress. And this is why. So many times we, we, our culture makes it seem like we have to have it all figured out. Jesus wants to meet us right where we are, even if it's a come and do belief. But he refuses to leave us this way. So how does he progress us? He wants to remind us that he is in control. That weird little statement right in the middle that Jesus made. Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Imagine this, what this guy was thinking. He just traveled a whole day to meet this perfect stranger and see if this perfect stranger would travel two days round trip just to do a miracle for him. And when he actually makes this request, this stranger challenges him. Are you never going to believe unless you, unless you see a sign and wonder? Imagine what was going through that guy's mind. I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I, I need a miracle. See, so reading over this story again and again and again, and looking at it through this framework of control, I think Jesus was saying, hey, look, I'm in control. I'm in control. And because we've had control freaks in, in, in leadership that, that, that has abused their leadership here in America, we're skeptical of leadership and control. We're skeptical of that. and We're skeptical. It's bled over to God. We're skeptical of a God who just wants to be in control. Let me ask you something. Who would you rather be in control? You and me, who is but a vapor, but a mist, but like dew who's here right now and gone tomorrow? Or God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-loving? Which one would we rather be in control? Which one? It's either us or God. We either be God or God be God. Probably wasn't English happy, but proves the point. Who would we rather be in control? You see, the thing about God, the thing about Jesus is this. He doesn't use his control to overpower us. He uses his control to actually benefit us. And what's the benefit? Did you catch it? Did you catch what was going on with this guy? Do you see it all throughout this story? 
what was repeated several times throughout this story. We talked about a little bit last week, if you were with us a little bit last week, about the disciples. And this is going to be the common thread through all of this series. See, this guy traveled a two-day round trip. He had to have a belief in Jesus, right? He had to have a belief in Jesus. He had to believe that Jesus would not only heal him, but that Jesus would actually go with a total stranger who fishes his way through a crowd and actually pause everything that he's doing, call a timeout, and, and above everything else and every other request, actually come with him to heal his son. This guy had some sort of belief, this dad had some sort of belief that Jesus would actually push pause, ignore everybody else, and travel two days round trip to actually heal his son. But then, did you see it? Did you see it? After Jesus asked him this question, the guy just said, can can you just come and do a miracle? Can you just come and heal my son? Jesus said, go. Your son is healed. Now what did it say about this guy? What did it say about him? The man believed, Jesus said, and started home. He believed what Jesus said and started home. He didn't argue with Jesus, but Jesus, you gotta be there. Jesus, you gotta come. Jesus, you gotta. He believed him. All right. He'll be healed. Jesus called his shot from a distance. I'll go back home. See, the, to the crowd, that guy probably looked crazy. Right? crowd was probably like, that guy didn't really believe. Look how easily he gave up. He just walked away. And that guy's heart, that dad's heart, he got what he needed. At Jesus' word, I go home. Nothing more to do here. But then, did you catch it? Did you catch it? We're not done with this guy yet. He's traveling home. The miracle happens. The servants go running to this guy, running to find this guy. Ho, 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 ho. We got to go tell him. Jesus doesn't need to come anymore. Don't bother the guy. Don't bother him. Go, 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 go. And they meet each other the next day. Hey, 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 your your son's healed. Your son's healed. It's amazing. His son's healed. Hey. What, What time was it by any chance? One o'clock. What does that matter? Hey, come on, boys. I've got a story to tell you. Right? What did it say about him when he got home? And he saw his son a playing around. And he saw his wife, maybe somewhere between ecstatic and bawling her eyes out, right? What did it say about him? He and his entire household believed in Jesus. Now maybe you're like, hold on a second. 
The guy believed at the beginning. The guy believed in the middle. The guy believed in the end. He, just, he believed. All right, all right, all right, I got it. See, in America, in America, we only have one category for belief. And really, we're kind of like this all across the board. It's all or nothing. There's no room for progress in America. And if you're wondering about that, you're like, no, 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 no. Look, just look to any sports team who hires a coach, doesn't see the progress they want to see, and fires them within a year. We have no room for progress. It's either all or nothing in America. And maybe you've read this book, or maybe you've heard this sermon preached before. Unless you're willing to die for Jesus, you're not really a Christian. Unless you're willing to go to Africa for Jesus, you're not really a strong Christian. The only thing wrong with that is the Bible. Jesus had 12 guys around him, and in his final days, in his final minutes, a, a, 10 of them ran, one of them denied and ran, one of them betrayed and ran. If you're wondering if you would actually really die for Jesus, guess what? You're in good company. You're in the same company as the people who started the church that God used to start the church. God wants to meet you where you're at. God wants to meet me where I am at in order to progress our belief. He wants to establish that he's in control. He wants to establish that he is king. He wants to establish that he is Lord. He wants to establish that he is the highest above all other beings. And then use that to meet us where we are but refused to leave us that way. This guy, this guy, what John is doing, what John is telling us is this guy progressed in his belief. His belief at the end was not the same belief at the beginning. What was his belief in the beginning? His belief was a come and do belief. Jesus, come and do something for me. What was his belief at the end? His belief in Jesus was a hear and follow belief. I heard Jesus' word. I heard and I followed. He told me to go home. I went home. I followed. Do you think that if Jesus went back to this guy's house and the, the guy opened the door and Jesus was standing there and Jesus told him to do anything on this earth, what do you think that guy would have done? Whatever it was, immediately. If you're willing to do this, if you're good enough to do this, if you're in control enough to be able to do a miracle from a six-hour walk journey, whatever you say, bro, whatever you say, I'll hear and follow. God wants us to have a hear and follow belief, not a come and do belief. So here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like. Let's, let's hit finances again. Here's what it looks like. God's like, hey, you're praying for me to come and do a miracle? That's awesome. I'll meet you right where you are. I want to do a miracle. But will you hear and follow me first? Hey, my word says to tithe. My word says to give. Will you trust me with that? Will you believe me with that? 
well, but Jesus, I, well, imagine what this could do, or, 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 or I've got debt, or I've got, do you believe? Do you trust? Hey, 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 I've said in my word that the one who takes out debt is slave to the one who gives debt. Will you believe me enough to stop getting in debt? Jesus, I just need a miracle. I just need a check, Jesus. Do you believe me enough to hear and follow? Or do you just want to rub my lamp so that I'll do something for you? Which is a greater miracle? For him to have a check show up in the mail? Or to actually have you trust him as father? Because fathers, you know this. You'd probably do anything to bail out your kid, right? But which would you rather have? To continually bail out your kid? Or your kid to actually hear and follow what you're saying on, on how to not get bailed out? Which is a greater miracle? Maybe some of you are like, the hear and follow part. Exactly. Exactly. Why would our Heavenly Father be any different? He wants to do a miracle in our life if we just simply hear and follow Him. See, at the intersection of belief and desire is action. Is action. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're supposed to have faith. It's not by works. Yep, that's what Paul said. But James also said, I want to see your faith by what you do. Faith isn't opposed to works. Salvation is opposed to works. See, actually what faith does at the intersection of faith and desire is action. We're in the middle of March Madness. We're in the middle of the tournament. Coaches want to see how much their players want it. How much their players want it. At the intersection of desire and faith is action. And you know what? Right now isn't when the coaches know or not if the players want it. Did a kid sneak in behind me? What's going on? Do what? Or I, okay. We're eyeless. The blind sermon's coming later. <clears throat> Coaches. Bracket, okay. Now isn't when, now isn't when the coaches know if their players want it or not. It was actually back in October when they started practice. Some of these teams made it to the tournament on talent alone. Some of these teams made it to the tournament and keep winning in the tournament because at the intersection of desire and belief is action. See, we've been told that faith is a feeling. Just believe it in your heart. Just believe it. It'll happen. And you know what? That's led to disappointment because 
We've believed that it would happen and then it didn't happen. So what's wrong? Is God bad? What's wrong? And God's just like, look. It's at the intersection of desire and belief. Action shows up. If we desire something bad enough and we have faith that it's going to happen, are we willing to act on it? Because our actions will betray our belief. Our actions will betray our desire. They will. They'll really tell us what we believe and what we desire. Let me use this example globally as a, as, as a church. The one thing that God has promised that he will build his church. Now he is talking about, he is talking about the, 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 the church global, the church universal. However, how he does that is through local expressions of bodies of believers. Probably every one of us. I don't know some of you all's background, and maybe not. Maybe you're still wondering about this thing. But most of us, at least, most of us go, yep, believe that Jesus said that. Believe that Jesus will build his church. Absolutely. Yep. Do we desire it? Because at the intersection of desire and belief is action. It's action. So what are you willing, what do you desire to do, what, how much faith do you have, how much desire do you have to make Crosspoint a place, a people that non-fans can stream to to find God? Are you willing to plant seed with us to do a block party? Are you willing to, to help us out by giving so that, so that we can actually function? Are you willing to invite people? Are you willing to engage people with, 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 with who Jesus is and what he's doing with your life? Or are we just willing to be come and do? I'll show up on Sunday and I'll pray that Jesus you know, adds to our number but I don't have enough faith to actually do anything about it. Because you know how God built his church? On the back of his church? On the faith of his church? On the desire of his church? On the action of his church? That's how he builds his church. Yes, Jesus is the cornerstone. However, The Bible teaches us that we are all bricks. We are all living stones being built into the church of God, the people of God. And it is on the bricks that are already laid that he lays new bricks. And you know what it's laid on? A group of people who say that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus has complete control of my life, that I don't want to come and do miracle, I want to hear and follow miracle, and I, I will do whatever he says in order to build his church. That's how his church is built. It's not on some feeling. It's not on the, 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 the happen chance that people can Google us. 
God didn't say he will build his church by a Google search. He said he'll build his church on the confession that Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the man. The bunch of people that say he is Lord of my life, he is in control of my life, and I am here to hear and follow him. And I want people, I want new people to be built into the church on my shoulders because I am standing on the solid foundation. You know what he promises? That if we hear and follow, we will not be like a boat tossed to and fro in the waves of a storm. We'll be solid. We'll be built on a solid foundation. You wonder why you might keep getting in financial or relational troubles or other trouble? Maybe it's because you're not hearing and following. See, hearing and following is simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. Because if I did my own thing personally, there'd be no way I'd give. Spend that money other ways. Come on. There'd be no way That, that I wouldn't do some of the things that I don't do and I would do some of the things that... There'd be no way that I would do that. My life would be completely opposite of what it is now. Because I know me. Let me tell you a little story from our life. From here and follow. The goal isn't to say, hey, look, hey, awesome that they are. But to show you how faithful God is. In 2008, we moved to go plant a church in central New York, in the Syracuse area. Took a pay cut from the, from the uh, ministry position that I had at that, that point in time. We still had debt, and we can go round and round about the, about the wiseness of that and stuff, but it is what it is. It, it, that's what our story is. We still tithed, we still gave. And debt by debt by debt, God allowed us to get rid of those debts. Because we budgeted, we gave, we, we used the wisdom that God gave us. Two years in, the, 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 the whole thing just kind of fell apart. For 18 months, we bounced around. We didn't, we weren't, a part of a church necessarily. We went to some churches, but we weren't a part of, 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 of a church. So we didn't give to a church. We set 10% aside of every paycheck into a missions account so that when we came and were a part of a church again, we could give that. No check came, well, some checks came into the mail, but mainly for the church plant, not for us. Not, nobody wrote us a check and say, hey, go get out of debt on us. No church came, or no checks came in the mail like that. We didn't win the lottery. We didn't find something in our attic worth $30,000. I heard about some dude that 
paid 14 grand for something that was worth 33 million by happen chance this week. That wasn't me. But you know what we did? We simply heard and we followed. We still have some debt. And this Total Money Makeover small group has helped energize us towards that. But you know what's happened? A miracle. A greater miracle than getting a check. The miracle of hearing and following. How bad do we want it? Did you notice the guy? He pleaded with Jesus. Begged Jesus and he didn't take no for an answer from Jesus. How bad did he want it? I ain't leaving here until I get a miracle. But he begged and he pleaded. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want to be out of financial ruin? How bad do you want to be out of relationship ruin? How bad do you want to be out of the, 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 the lack of control that you feel? How bad do we want to see a church be built that will glorify Jesus by building new people onto the church that is already here? How bad do we desire that? Or is it just a good idea? Cross point will cease to exist on good ideas. But cross point will plant seeds and will see a harvest if at the intersection of desire and faith we see action. Question is are you ready to lose control? Are you ready to lose control? Are we ready to completely lose control? And hear and follow Him. Are we ready? Do we just want to show up on Sunday and perhaps see God do a come and do miracle? I guarantee we'll see miracles happen if we hear and follow. I can't guarantee anything if we just come and do. For those of you just checking this thing out and wondering what's going on and wondering about Jesus, here's what I do know. He has said He will save us from our sin, that He'll give us righteousness, that He'll give us holiness, that He'll give us purity. Are we willing to hear and follow? He'll meet us right where we are, but He refuses to leave us that way. Are you ready to lose control and hear and follow Him? That's how we see miracles. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. <clears throat> thank you for your spirit that can speak to us and move hearts beyond anything that anybody else can. None of us know the future, but we do know the promises you've given us.
you do want to build your church, you do want to give us uh, a solid foundation, you do want to um, give us in our lives a solid foundation, our financial, our relational, our school, our wherever. We, we, you want to build us on a solid foundation. Lord, I just ask that you just move. Move in people's hearts to give and surrender control. Not let go and let God, but hear and follow. Desire it so much that we'll do anything just because you spoke it. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosspoint Fellowship Podcast. We truly hope that this progresses your belief in Jesus. Connect with us on Facebook by searching My Crosspoint.